Hey everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're on episode 689. This is being recorded on August 10, 2022. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Brett Van Sprodberg. And I'm Kent Burgess. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash pcper. And we have some people to thank uh, this month, uh, such as send beer to Canada, exclamation mark. Seriously, look, like, we need it. It's on the way. I don't know how that works from a legal standpoint, but I guess you can just... Shush. Yeah. Uh, also... Just label it, use computer parts value $1. Mm-hmm. Oh. And well, stuff it full of... Or just say promotional yeah. items, no value. Yes. Right. Something like too. that. Gavin Lay and Ed McNeil bumped up their budgets, so I want to thank them as well. And... All of our patrons, we appreciate you. We really do. We really do. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's true. Let's move immediately to the Food with Josh segment, which I dearly hope is actually a burger this time. Josh? Oh, pucker hey. up. <laughs> yeah, this one's called the, uh, the Smoochie. I think I've had it before in the past. It's been a while, though. But here's the Smoochie. The name like Smoochie. It's got to be good, right? Well, the smoochie is comprised of two beef patties topped with chili, queso, green onion, and paprika. Served with a side of golden brown fries, lightly seasoned. This is a burger so, so messy. It's a total fork and knife burger because you can't pick it up unless you want to eat the cardboard tray that it's sitting on it's tasty it's comforting it's like kind of mac and cheese but in burger form without so much pasta and now that's that's it It all comes together nicely and there you have it and i won't be eating again until sometime tomorrow per usual Mm-hmm. That's the story. Thanks. Yeah. I'm smoothied out. <clears throat> Thanks for the sacrifice there, Josh. Yeah. What a way to go, though. You know? You oh, gotta go. You're right. It's the destroyer yeah. of arteries. Last week at this time, we went immediately into something like 15 to 20 minutes of financial talk. And we're going to do it again, but not Yay. immediately and not as much. No. Because we're going we're gonna to break things up a little bit. I want to start off with a... Uh, interesting news item from the last couple of days, or possibly even today, uh, as it turns out. This one comes from Tech Power Up. There's a WCCF Tech article and a couple of other sources. Basically, Ryzen 7000 processors are going to have a IF, that's Infinity Fabric, of 3000 megahertz. And which Ooh. means the sweet spot that you're going to be looking for is DDR5-6000. So don't scoff at those DDR5-6000 kits. That's what you want. Like DDR4 3600 right now, the sweet spot's going to be DDR5 6000. I mean, I was a little it's bit pretty... wondered about 7200. Like that's a lot to ask out of DDR5 without losing a lot of latency. So a little bit slower, that's kind of nice. 6000? Mm. Hmm. I think that uh, that's a big jump going from 1800 megahertz IF to 3000. Yeah. I wonder if they're actually going to be able to do it. I, I hope so. Because that would... That would provide a lot of positive things. Latency goes down to main memory. Everything communicates faster. 
Keep your fingers crossed. I know that with Ryzen 5000, uh, certain chips and certain motherboards, people were occasionally able to get their IF to 2000 and run their RAM at 4. Um, mm. But it was it was a one of those rare occasions. You had to yeah. hit the silicon lottery in a way. Um, my wife's 5800X, I can run it at... Um, 1900 and 3800 memory and that's it that's as far as it will go with any stability i admit i was not originally a big believer in the very very high speed ddr5 6000 just really well they're up to 6600 now brett you better start believing 6600 cast 32 wasn't sure there was going to be anything out there really taking it (laughs) necessary making it necessary but this I'm convinced now. Well, it's because you led with the, you were, you know, if you're a disbeliever in, you know, this. On the subject of AMD, uh, Raphael might have come out of its shell. That's a, a subtle uh, pun there by Jeremy. Subtle? Did, did, did Raphael no. paint Aphrodite's birth? I, I can't remember. <clears throat> the turtles. <clears throat> 5.7 gigahertz. <laughs> is the rumor you should expect ryzen 9 7950x to be able to hit boost clocks of 5.7 on its 16 cores and 32 threads no it's not exciting that they're still at 16 cores but it is exciting they're gonna have a really fast infinity fabric and really high clocks Mm -hmm. and higher ipc to boot the base is usually a little bit higher Mm -hmm. than the previous generations which is also kind of nice but yeah 170 watt tdp what do you say I think that lying? 170 watt TDP is the key to those higher clocks. Because if you were stuck at 125 or 115, I don't think you'd be able to hit that. So the advancements in the process and the fact that they have a higher, like a bigger uh, envelope, I think is going to be very good for performance. I just, I'm very curious about cooling still. I want to see how well those new thick heat spreaders work. Thick. Probably and they really don't have well. a 7800X, so that's kind of interesting as well. well yeah. Not, not yeah. Future products. Yes. Maybe maybe that'll be the first V-Cache. 7800X. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Josh, uh, are you ready? Are you in fine voice? <clears throat> this is the sure. part right here. Here this it comes. Is, this Take is the us. time when we talk about money. And for the person who wanted time travel, here you go. It is quarter two, 2023. Yeah. So this is NVIDIA, of course. And, and they um, they did a pre-announcement. So they're actually announcing their results for Q2 on August 24th. But they were so bad that they pre-announced um, guidance. Well, I don't know if it's necessary guidance, but they pre-announced how bad things were going to be. Because they were expecting like 8.8 billion or something like that. No, less than that. 7.8 billion, I think. Eight. Let's just say eight. And they came out and said that they took a $1.2 billion pre-charge on unsold GPUs. So their actual revenue is going to be around 6.7 billion, which is... Darn close, darn close to what AMD has announced already. And of course, you know, the shortfall is primarily driven by weaker gaming revenue. But it's interesting that the gaming revenue went down pretty much the same time as the crypto crash. So 
you know, for the longest time I thought, yeah, I'll just, you know, kind of take their stuff with a grain of salt that their crypto is, is not as big as, as they made it out to be. But then you see those, those factories of GPU mining and no, no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's like, I would say a third of all GPU production probably went direct to miners. Maybe I'm wrong, but it sure seems that way. (laughs) That's pretty high. Especially what they were considering, what they were saying. I mean, they're like, oh, mining is a, is a negligible part of, of our actual, you know, sales and then gaming as the primary mover. And, you know, they wanted to downplay that. And I think they did a poor job, but it was, it's it's a lot of GPUs, and once that crashed, and they started selling, and nobody kept buying, suddenly within weeks, stuff was approaching MSRP from mm-hmm. historic highs. I was going yeah, to say I would be surprised if it was only a third, if the the crypto market was only a third. You know there there are a lot of OEMs. There's a lot of people buying GPUs, and there are people who repurposed, you know, part time gaming gpus into mining i mean it's 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 those you know truly hardcore mining probably were taken up you know a third of of the amount actually sold and so yeah um nvidia is announcing that they're helping their board partners with uh the silver stock and you know i i was discussing uh with uh general Kanye guy on twitter that uh chat with now and then uh he, you know asked who were the biggest winners of the whole GPU thing for the past two years. And, and, you know, I had to sit down and think about it. It's like, you know, they, they all were, you know, Nvidia probably increased the prices of their GPU and memory packs because they typically bundle those two things together. It just makes a lot more sense uh, to have, you know, one big buyer of memory other than the board partners try to, you know, source out themselves. So they, they sell these GPU memory packs and they probably raised them up 10 to 15% over what's usual. And then the partners, again, raised the prices that they sold them to the retailers. And then the retailers, the new eggs in that, they are out there feeling, you know, what people will actually pay for them. And people were paying a lot and willing to spend a lot on GPUs. And so every every piece of that chain, um, they, they've had, they, they inflated their prices, they all made good money off of graphics and now that time has come to an end and while consumers are cheering uh everybody is expecting a large overstock of uh 3000 series uh amd doesn't seem to be as hammered by this um but again their their percentage of of the market was you know much smaller than nvidia's and nvidia did take a big swing and they missed on $1.2 billion worth of unsold GPU. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'd originally, I thought that we would see prices around now just kind of hover where they are and maybe start going back up over the next 30 days. But the way it sounds, I think that we're going to see GPU prices continue to erode. And not only that, they're pushing the 4000 series, at least from NVIDIA. I mean, we'll, we'll see a high end being offered September, October time, I think. I mean, I haven't gotten any official notification from them, but that seems to be kind of the, the plan. And then the uh, smaller models, the lower 
priced, lowered numbered, are going to be maybe December, probably January. So they're probably going to hope a lot of really good deals on the 3000 series can can clear out a lot of stock for the holidays while they retain that performance lead with the uh, the top end 4000. You know, we were just talking about it a minute ago, but you end up with uh, the neon fluff that we were we were talking about a few minutes ago with sites like JustGPU.com, which is a you know is a new egg front. Please don't buy anything from there. Um, where they're trying to push some of this overstock out with some crazy way of doing comparison and and silliness to try and move some of this back back stock. I I do hope the prices stay stay low. You know, your 30 series card and your 6000 series card push out just as many pixels today as it did yesterday. Yeah. And well, the the 3080 12 gig, those are I don't know why people aren't buying those up by the droves because <laughs> at 729 bucks, as I've seen some of the lower ones, <coughs> excuse me, go to, go uh, to EVGA. They're yeah. cheap as compared. Yeah. Go to EVGA. They've got some great prices right now. Yeah. They, they did, actually. I don't know if they do today, but they did. There, there was one so, other interesting thing that came out of that. Which, which that? 3.81 billion of their 6.7 was out of the data center. More than half NVIDIA's revenue was out of the data center. That's it's a, that's their cash cow, baby. From this time last year. That's big. I mean, do you know what they're selling DG1s for? <laughs> and they're selling them, too. Yeah. They're not yeah, going to mining. A, there is an insatiable need for compute in this world right now. Yeah. And NVIDIA has got a lot at their fingertips and a pretty good package that you plug it in, attach power, networking, you're off and running. And you're not buying one. You, you generally are not. Well, buying some one companies one. will buy one. Fair. But a lot but, of the time they're doing a bulk. Yeah. And so that does sort of bode well for us on the gaming side. If NVIDIA is like, you know, we're making a crop load of money off the data center and the gaming is still important to us, but not anywhere near the major chunk of revenue it used to be. Do we really need to fight for margins that hard on the gaming side as we used to? That could be good for us. I sort of wonder about one other thing that we've not mentioned in, in the, the, the gaming revenue being lower. Uh, so most of the, more popular games right now um, don't require much GPU. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are very happy to use two or three generation old graphics cards to play those games. Um, you know, I enjoy a, a lot of certain types of games, a lot of first person, well, not first person, but third person uh, RPG, that sort of thing. Um, and mostly like AAA. And the last one of those I can remember that was that was sort of a big hit was Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was last year. Um, I've not really seen that type of game come out this year and be a super big hit, other than maybe Elden Ring. Um, but that's that's it. Um, and used to those kinds of games were were the big money makers for game companies, but now they're really focusing on low op or easy optimization and uh, microtransactions. Um, 
instead of making a $60 game where they get their money once. And as a business decision, I can understand that, but I think it's hurting the, uh, the story-based gaming market. Well, also you have titles like Destiny 2, which, you know, are still it's a really pretty title still. Yeah. But it runs 300 frames per second on modern hardware and 4K. It's not, it's not requiring like 30, much. 3080 modern hardware, 3070 modern hardware? No. That's not a 3080. Yeah. 3080? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, Doom but yeah, like Elden Ring, yeah. it's recommended as a 1070. Doom Eternal will crank out, you know, a hundred frames per second on uh, a ten series card. Easy, a, a good ten series card. Hmm. Um, All right, moving on in the news list. Hackaday, the twenty twenty two Hackaday Prize, bring back yep. obsolete tech with the hack it back. <laughs> yeah. So they've got a bunch of different categories. The the one they've announced the the ten finalists for uh, is the hack it back category, where you're taking obsolete technology. Uh, anyone offended by the Nokia 1680 being referred to as obsolete? Well, I mean, it's not like you can get GSM anymore now, is it? Uh, but the idea is to take something that's no longer as useful as it could be or it used to be and make it at least as useful, if not more. So what these guys did is actually just take the indestructible frame of the 1680, which is, you know, honestly, one of the best enclosures you could put anything in, design a custom PCB, which will run uh, modern versions of Linux and offers uh, LoRa radio. So you can take over Internet of Things, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and, you know, as well as, you know, making uh, wireless calls not necessarily sell, although they're looking at doing that. Uh, and it's going to be more secure than just about any other phone you can get on the market, especially the ones that are s- sold as being, you know, extra secure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you slow, you slow. Stop your, your Apple bashing. Hey, that wasn't Apple bashing. Remember that ultra secure phone that ended up just being some yeah, cheap Android phone. phone with oh, that's true. Problems. Yes. Yeah. But I, I see that the Apple person has a guilty conscience and is feeling attacked immediately mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Hey, at uh, least Apple doesn't one, let you unlock it with anybody's finger. You know, yeah. that's the other there, funny one was a, that's, a, that's true at least. Yeah. How about a simple universal modem? which is not only compliant with every modem protocol on the planet from the beginning until now, but is also able to allow you to read from like old C64 tapes and like vinyl records that were used for data. Hmm. I think that is just amusing as all, or there's a Viewmaster. All of these projects, like in that. order to apply for the prize, you have to put the entire materials list, the steps you did, everything to make it like it's all open source this is the entire point of it so if you're interested in any of them check it out and you can make some of them yourself if you've got the uh, skills and the inclination there was something else on the list i think it's related huh. yeah it's yeah. sort of making something yourself okay let's see this is from our second cut the six inch board turns a raspberry pi module into a diy router yep for 55 bucks DIY router waiting mm-hmm. to put a Raspberry Pi for. You can find the. I guess Pis are in short supply. Unfortunately, yes, they have. Yes, I haven't still. checked recently, but they're still pretty uh, rare. 
I was questioning whether um, it was known whether this was OpenWRT or whether it was It comes still... with a pre-installed. Hmm. Ah, okay. You buy that card, it comes with OpenWRT installed. Oh. But you can do whatever you feel like to it as well. So, and not only that, but the performance difference between it and a USB to Ethernet is apparently like miles apart. Because yes, you could take a Pi, do a USB to Ethernet, and oh look, it's a router now. But yeah, not quite the same. So fifty-five bucks or thereabouts. Yeah, does not come with a Pi. But it gets you a very capable pocket router. Interesting. Yeah. For those of you who like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What's on a normal pie? It's like a shield like pie. I feel like you're getting really close to the territory of just getting a mini PC with two Ethernet uh, ports. Uh, I, I dare you to tell the difference of blindfold in a dark room. Right, but at least you could probably buy them. I don't know. I haven't looked at mini PCs with dual Ethernet ports lately to see what pricing is like. You'd think some older generation thing with like Bay Trail would have something. Uh, but cheap. just still a couple hundred bucks. That's ridiculous. That is. Speaking of ridiculous, if you had looked into buying one of the Aorus Z690i uh, Ultra motherboards and on Newegg and looked at the reviews, there were so many terrible reviews. I was looking for one of these myself a while back, and it turns out there was actually a an actual issue with those where Gigabyte had to do a recall, or I guess they were giving people money back or replacing hey. them. What was the deal, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, you could either get an exchange, uh, which they quickly abandoned because it turned out that the PCI 4.0 slot was buggered on all of them, hmm. uh, or you could get your money back. But what they also said is, if you don't want your money back immediately, we're going to be putting out the Z690i Ultra Plus, the plus being that your PCIe slot doesn't contri- constantly trigger Windows blue screens. And so, I mean, I don't know how receptive I would have been to that because I'm like, so I can wait for a working version or you give me my money back and I buy one that works already. But then again, if you're looking for a tiny little uh, motherboard, there weren't that many on the market. Hmm. And so some people I think waited regardless, tweak town gave it a shot and yeah, no worries. They fixed that problem. Everything you liked about it remained. Uh, it was just that, the, the one little bug that constantly caused you to reboot all the time was gone. And if you look at the heat sinks on this thing, if you scroll down a bit, it's a, it's impressive. Whoa. That's uh, the yeah. They take you to benchmarks first. Okay. The armor. Up, there you go. Whoa. That's, look that's at big. the thickness on that. But even still, it didn't do great overclocking, hmm. but then well, again, that's, you're that's like the heat sink over all the uh, M.2 stuff. Josh, that looks like a daughter card. Looks like a daughter card. You got a super pipe over there. If they put as much on the VRMs as they did on the M.2, I think it's to be. Then, yeah, it might be a little bit better. So it's a, uh, that's a 10 plus one plus two power phase on that board. Um, There are two M.2 slots in that mezzanine. Uh, just above the the <laughs> GPU slot. Good word yeah. for it. <laughs> um, th- there's one very illogical thing with that um, in my mind is that that entire piece, the the daughter board there, uh, removes with uh, two uh, 
server style plugs. I, I'm not familiar with the port, but I know it's a server port used. But the bottom port, there, the bottom M.2 slot on that is the one that's connected to the CPU. And it does not have um, the heat dissipation cap- capabilities of the one that's on the top. Okay. That massive heat sink you see connects to the one that's on the top. Um, and that's the one that goes to the, through the chipset instead of um, instead of to the CPU. Uh, so that seemed that's a little a backwards questionable to decision. It, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there's still quite a bit of heat dissipation available there. There's just not much, you know, airflow over it. Um, there's only it's it's very odd. There's only one four pan four pin uh, PWM header directly on the motherboard, and then there are a lot of those mini PWM adapters, and it comes with uh, the little dongle cables, um, which I I don't quite understand that either. Um, it doesn't seem like you're saving that much space, but I don't know. Maybe you are. Um, but it's a hefty little motherboard. Um, they they actually replaced the old one with two versions. They uh, have the Plus and the Ultra Light. Uh, the Ultra Light is PCI Gen three instead of four. Um, but it is also the least expensive Z six ninety board you can buy at one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, oh, For, yes. it's ICX. It's ITX. Interesting. Uh, everything is identical to what you're seeing there, with the exception of its uh, the GPU slot is PCI Gen three. You can actually set it for Gen four or five, um, but it crashes anytime you, <laughs> you, get any you want of, the same. Oh, errors. so like the original? Okay, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I will tell you this: um, I'm streaming on one right now. Oh, that's what you're using for the system. Z six ninety i. Is this this is the yes. board you have? Yes, yeah. uh, and, and it's just sitting external on a box right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As is, it's well cooled. Yes, pick yes. it up and show it to us. Come on, nothing will happen. <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad will happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ken's fuzzy. I'm liking that price tag, but I mean, if you're just yeah. running, running stock, but then if you're running stock, why are you getting Z690? Why wouldn't you get like 660? Well, the, the, so. Uh, level one. Well, first off, there's uh, only a couple of C- 660 boards cheaper than this one, um, and they're very bare bones. Um, but level one, Wendell at level one did a big test showing why if you're running Alder Lake, um, you you're actually hurting yourself by running 660 or lower chipsets. Is there a punchline to this? Okay. No, no. Because, because (laughs) the reason is just because, just trust Wendell. Uh, Well, I I think there's, I think part of it is, is Ram support, um, and Ram speeds that they will reach. Okay. Uh, I think that's the, one of the biggest things. Um, yeah, but that's not handled uh, by the chipset. So it's just a little, mm -hmm. is it an artificial limitation Intel put on the, the boards that have these chipsets? Mm -hmm. More than likely. Yeah. 
It's time for the mandatory Intel Arc segment of our show. And this time we're not talking about desktop enthusiast graphics. We're talking about Arc Pro graphics. So mm. you can get yourself professional graphics from Intel, a name you can trust in professional graphics, obviously. You yeah, can tell but- it's professional because it's all mini DP. And half height. Essential. Mm-hmm. These cards were definitely not rendered. Uh, we have the Arc Pro A40, Arc Pro A50, and Arc Pro graphics for laptops as well. And uh, I'm going to skip ahead to the important part, at least from what I've seen so far. Talk about display support. That's fine. You can get that with a Matrox card. But uh, down here, AV1, full AV1 hardware acceleration. So right now, they have the exclusive on this. They're an industry first. So you get 4.4 times, they claim, faster hardware encoding with Intel Arc graphics compared to software encoding. So if you're using Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve Studio and you want to render an AV1, this is the ticket to faster render times right now. Hmm. So there's, there's the market. Right there. Well, good on them. I mean, mm-hmm. they needed to have a, a proven in that space. Hmm. A proven name you can trust. I like that phrase. Yeah, but the problem is, is that uh, a lot of these professional applications, they definitely need really good drivers. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, Josh, uh, the drivers, I'm sure they're they're working diligently, and yes, they'll be rock solid. Across every application. For the pro. And every hardware configuration. Are, but 10, 15 years from now, people are just so refusing to buy Intel graphics cards because they heard the drivers were bad back in the day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I don't think Intel's going to have graphics cards in 10 to 15 years either. So. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Nobody will. Think about it. What's the, what's the PC world going to look like in 15 years? It's going to be. I don't know. Like, it will still be an chip. insatiable need for compute. All right, let's move on to Gaming Quick Hits and Hard West 2 Rides Out, writes Jeremy Hellstrom. Please tell us more. Yeah, I don't know if you played the first one. A lot of people absolutely despised it. I quite enjoyed it because there was a game mechanic they introduced, which was ricocheting bullets all over the map and hitting people in bizarre ways. Nice. Uh, It was a slow turn-based game. Like, you were doing a lot of cover, you were thinking your stuff out, and for this one, they said, you know what? Uh, there was a cover-based shooter that made a uh, turn-based game that did really, really good. Uh, and Warhammer did it, too. So if Gears Tactics and Warhammer can introduce a familiar uh, 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 game mechanic where if you kill someone, you get all your move points back and just keep stringing together kills, this makes the game a lot more different. And it is. And they did something brilliant, which is... And I've only played the demo a couple of times. I haven't bought the game yet because I'm so far behind on the Steam library and the good old games library and the Epic library. Well, you know. Uh, I haven't picked it up yet, but I did play the demo. And so in this West old West shooter, well, weird West shooter, they introduced Laughing Deer, who's armed with a club. And you're thinking, you know, you don't bring a club to a gunfight. The thing is... That club only uses one action point. Pistols use two, rifles and shotguns use three. And every time I kill someone, I get all my points back. 
So literally what you can do is use all your shooters to tie tag a whole bunch of them so that he can just then dance around the screen as a whirlwind of death, finishing all of them off. It makes it for a very different feeling game. Uh, the other nice thing about Hard West is that it's very weird. A lot of the levels are very different from each other. So if you end up with a part of the game that you hated, because in one of the, in the first one, there was like a mining part to it. It doesn't last long. The next one you play will be completely and totally different, but tied in. So if you like weird Cthulhu-esque HP Lovecrafty, tied in with some interesting turn-based games, it's a lot of fun. And the reviews are coming in as pretty, pretty good. I was going to ask if it was like Disco Elysium weird. But uh, no, it's a little different. You don't uh, yeah. end up dying because uh, someone rejected you for asking them out. <laughs> Still haven't made it very far in that game. I just keep building guys that keep dying. Speaking of quick hits, get your sci-fi fix. Humble Bumble style. $12. Battlestar Galactica. Per Aspria, Everspace, and Deep Space Battle Simulator are some of the ones that folks have never heard, heard of before. Of. I'm curious about I've that. I've heard of a couple of those. No, the Deep Space but Battle looked, Simulator I've never heard of. Oh, well, the rest this looked like a heck of a deal on on uh, space sci-fi style games for 12 bucks. This is a, go check this out, probably pick it up. You could pay a little bit less. You could pay a little bit more if you like this sort of thing. Jeremy, what do you think? I I own quite a few of them, but uh, like I said, I'm kind of curious about the one that I have no idea what it is. Deep Space Battle Simulator? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played Everspace in so long, I could almost play it again, maybe. Hmm. I bet it still doesn't support joystick, though. <laughs> Damn you, Everspace. Anyway, heck of a deal for the folks who uh, enjoy that sort of genre. Oh, yeah, Netflix. They did get into games, apparently. <laughs> I didn't know this. Does anyone all. remember this? No. 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 Like, like TV games? Like the old uh, cable How box? How did this work? Streaming games what? or something? It was mobile only. Uh. Oh. You, you, well, I mean, imagine translating the fun you have trying to search by using the arrow key to pick single letters like you're trying to get a high score or you've just got the high score in an old arcade game and translate that into gaming. Yeah. It's not going to work so well, but uh, yeah. And apparently I even reported on this in November when they first launched it. And there are literally almost 2 million people that daily game on Netflix's mobile app. And honestly, like I was kind of weird. It's exploding kittens, kittens. Uh, They've got (laughs) into the breach and as you'd expect, a whole bunch of games based off of some of the shows that they have, which of course are going to be point and click crap. Yeah. But it's still a thing. Uh, they're they're trying to expand their lineup of games that you never knew you could play, let alone try. So I mean, I guess if you're one of those people that streams Netflix on your mobile device, uh, you can play Into the Breach instead. Gaming's at your fingertips. No, thank you. Yeah, mm. I just don't. Get it. But this is gonna get cut. Ninety nine percent of their subs uh, don't use. I haven't it. even tried it. So yeah, let's keep that infrastructure going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had nothing. no idea that even existed. So I, 
I posted about it and then promptly forgot, and it came as a surprise yeah. again. So let's talk about quantum computing, the thing that everybody understands. Well, don't you recognize that algorithm? It, it, it should be quite familiar to you, uh, if you understand quantum computing. I, I believe that's an Abelian surface. Here's the funny thing. So quantum computing is going to make everything perfectly encrypted, unbreakable before the heat death of the universe. And so the America's NIST, the National Institute of Standards of Technology, uh, produced four new codes uh, that they're, they're calling key. Well, sorry, they're, they're, I, I, I have to do it because they're the super singular isogeny key encapsulation algorithms mm. because makes sense psych uh but they're supposed to be unbreakable by a quantum computer and someone had the bright idea of saying before we put these as standards maybe we should you know sort of throw them out into the wild and see if anyone can crack them and you know offer them about 50 grand to see if they could and so two insane belgians uh i'm just assuming because what they did was take a xeon e5 2630 v2 disable every single core except one and run it at 2.6 gigahertz and then try to see if they could do it, which they did in less than an hour. So this algorithm that is supposedly unbreakable by a quantum computer was destroyed by an Ivy bridge in under an hour. Uh, they, they checked out another one and they could do that one it was just a little bit over an hour to do. So there's three other uh, encryption standards which are still unbroken as far as I know at this point. But the whole idea of this is encryption that should be undefeatable by anything that a quantum computer, short of the heat death of the universe where the processing power was beaten by a single core on an Ivy Bridge kind of makes me question the entire theory of or their understanding of quantum computing to begin with and their theory of what they're doing for this key encapsulation. Cause that's just nuts. Well, if they'd leveraged the power of the blockchain, then they wouldn't have had to worry about security. Would they? No, obviously <laughs> not. So yeah, this is, it, it is amusing and it's, it's quantum because everything is quantum. And the second that you say quantum, then everything is magical and perfect and just throw money at it because it's, like it's amazing. 1997. Oh, you've got a website. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you some money. I, oh, you I got thought the phrase was blockchain. I, I mean, Jeremy, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I think you're missing the entire point of this story. The mm. point of this story should be that Ivy Bridge is the greatest processing node ever made. <laughs> There's a reason they went back. I mean, the single-threaded power of Ivy Bridge is no joke. Unstoppable. Hey, I mean... As a security researcher, I can understand running just a single core because, I mean, we know what branch prediction and multi-threading leads to. But, yeah, that's just bizarre. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with quantum is, is, is and maybe I'm wrong here, probably, but... You might be I right, I think the software wrong. side has caught up yet because if you think about how quantum computing works, that essentially, you know... It figures out all, well, in theory, you know, all you have multiple states at one time. But getting that, you know, translated from 
a quantum compute to our regular on off, you know, zero one. Um, you'd think that there would be something missing in the translation. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. You're, you're, uh, don't you remember your school teacher telling you to show your work as opposed to just immediately writing down the answer? Yeah. Quantum feels a little bit like that. And that, yeah, it's just sort of skipped over all the work. It gives you an answer that you damn well hope is right. Are you ready to hear about a critical authentication bypass vulnerability with a 9.8 out of 10 on the CVSS severity scale? <sighs> no. I missed this one. Thanks for that. VMware patches critical make me admin auth bypass bug and nine other flaws. Yeah, you can ignore those nine other flaws. I really oh, think they're not the, nice. <laughs> I think the headliner at 9.8 is really the story here. They're so close to a 10, maybe next time. But VMware is saying that if you have access to the network access, network access which means the attacker can be remote, anywhere on the planet, access to their UI, they may be able to obtain administrative access without any of that pesky authentication required. This is extremely severe. If anybody out there is running uh, VMware with uh, their UI accessible, uh, either cut that out, you know, cut that UI off. Yeah, no one uh, runs from, VMware. Well, yeah, nobody runs Okay, VMware. I want to know the person who runs their VMware that's accessible from the web. Well, there you know, are, an internal bad actor as uh, well. I mean, but, especially no. the, the the base. True. Uh, let me you, let me let me let me publish my V Center to the web. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, no. do you remember the people that were up in arms about uh, server? What was it? Twenty eighteen installing default without a GUI. There were sysadmins like foaming at the mouth, like, mm -hmm. but just. just don't do that. That's a bad idea. It's convenient, but dumb. So the final dumb thing is the guy who found this is about to release, re, uh, release a proof of concept uh, exploit to the wild. So for God's sakes, if you're running this thing, get it patched immediately. This is um, you know, as close to a 10 as they're willing to give 9.8 out of 10. They got to leave a little room at the top. Yep. It's just like the Olympics. The Olympics, yeah. a little room at the top. Let's move to Kent's upgrade uh, blog post number three as he continues the saga of upgrading in mid-2022 using components that makes everybody excited. I mean, who doesn't want to hear about 12th gen Intel on a Z690 board? But he's made it interesting. Last week, we talked about the Gigabyte Aorus Master motherboard. And now it's time to look at some more components, Kent. Revenge of the Kent? Explain. I, I made that up. I didn't I didn't have a proper <laughs> subtitle, so I'm like, uh, it's episode three. And he used a Star Wars oh. reference. Storage, may the Gen 4s be with you. Nice. So I thought, you know, Revenge of the... And I couldn't think of a pun that rhymed with Sith. So I just... Well, or you couldn't talk about the chorus of Kent. <laughs> you know, Steichen says Revenge of the Kent and Return of the Kent all the time in the Discord chat. So, oh, anyway. So <laughs> now, Revenge of the Kent could be a reference to the original title of Re Revenge of the Jedi. Which, which became Return yeah. of the Jedi. Which was yeah. shot under the name Blue Harvest. Horror Beyond Imagination. 
It's completely but. off the subject, but there was a uh, movie theater in the city I live in. Um, it's out of business now, but they had been here. F- they were the, the main movie theater in the city for uh, many years. And the uh, owner had a Revenge of the Jedi poster in his office. Nice. Mm, nice. I do not know how much money he turned down for that poster, but um, he it was in a it was in a locked frame, but you could see it from the lobby. Um, but yeah, he, he when that place closed down, it left with him. And uh, but you just reminded me of that. So, so they, had, like I said, they would already off the subject, but a cool story. Yeah, they printed the posters. It was the official title of the movie i don't know why george decided at the last minute maybe it was the studio said we can't have that that's too negative it was george it was george it was jedi do they take revenge yeah yeah well do they return (laughs) they have to reshoot reshoots call hamill back he's gonna return now he can't get revenge anymore when he's 72 yes he is reshooting he has returned in mandalorian and boba fett you know wait i have lines on this one if George still owns yeah. Star Wars, do you think he would be remaking the Star Wars movies? <clears throat> Seems Probably not. Thing to do. I, Everything I think remade. at least we would no, not have been subjected to the, the final three trilogy. Um, yeah, that's that's true. Well, he'd written a story. Um, he like had, they threw his story he had out different, of their own. That's yeah. right. There's some, I mean, there's some great stuff in the TV series. Uh, m- my wife and I finished uh, the Clone Wars series. And oh, that's that fantastic. Was, yes. That, that, that really was part of the space slavery and the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and um, Mandalorian is fantastic. Boba Fett had some weak points, but yeah. also some real strong moments in it. And freaking Obi-Wan Kenobi was, uh, forgive the language, but goddamn awesome. Crap, and, I forgot uh, to Mm. I there were scenes in it that I'm like, if Ewan McGregor does not get nominated for an Emmy for this, um, something's wrong. But, but they won't. Anyway. They, they don't. They don't have any respect for. Sci-fi. They don't do that. Of course, they don't. But, you know, fantasy. Like stuff. I said, they, something's wrong. <laughs> right. Prejudice. But, uh, so anyway, back to the upgrade. Um, I guess the first thing to talk about was uh, my choice of going with DDR5. Um, and I mentioned in the article that if the failure of my previous system um, had occurred, probably you know two two or three months earlier, um, I probably would have stuck with DDR4 because at that time DDR5 was still um, exorbitantly expensive, and I really felt like the kits were immature. Um, you know, we were seeing really bad timings and really low speed for DDR5. Um, but when my failure happened, um, the prices had started coming down and some much better kits had been starting to come out. Um, uh, this uh, Trident Z5 kit from G-Skill that I bought um, was at the time the fastest and lowest latency kit you could get um, at 6,432. Um, and I just, like I mentioned in the article, through just a fortune of coupon codes and best uh, new egg daily deals, 
Um, not only was the silver kit cheaper than the exact same black kit, but it was uh, slightly cheaper than the uh, 6,000 uh, cast latency 30 kit of the exact same brand and, and style. Um, so uh, there was just no reason to, to go with the slower. Um, I mentioned last week when I was on that I was concerned that that kit was not on the QVL list, but uh, XMP recognized it. It booted right up um, to the uh, correct speeds and timings. Um, and I've not had a single problem from th- that RAM since. Um, uh, the only times I've had any blue screens or instability is through um, trials of overclocking. Um, other than that, the whole system's been rock solid. Um, the next, uh, as I had been on uh, ninth gen, I was still using a Gen 3 uh, Samsung, I uh, believe it was a 970 Pro, a 970 Evo. It was a 970 Evo Gen 3 SSD. Um, so since I was moving to, to the capability of using 4th Gen, I decided it would be a good time to do so. And again... So that's what through, the cover art is now. It's on the RAM. It's on the RAM. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> the, wai- the waifus are on the RAM. Um, and okay. you can take that right. how you want. That's SSD. Come on. So... It's solid state. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nand isn't RAM. Josh is right. It's true, but um, it's on the it's on the SSD. So yeah. Again, I I have I was planning on just getting a couple of two terabyte sticks of this kit, um, but there was a, a sale going on on the four terabyte, and it was only just a I'm literally less than ten dollars more expensive than getting the two sticks of two terabyte. Um, and so I just uh, took the extra step, got the four terabyte. Um, so the entire four terabyte storage is going directly through the CPU link. Um, so I, I've actually been kind of amazed at certain things. Um, before I was running my games drive off of um, through the chipset and it was, uh, of course, it was Gen 3 through the chipset as well. Um, but like the way Cyberpunk runs, there's no f- sort of loading areas. It, it, it sort of preloads, but I could see like when I would hit a new area, there would be just a slight little, just a slight judder in the game for a moment. And now I see the icon come up in the game where I've loaded a new area and I do not feel it in game at all. It's just... Um, rock solid smooth uh through uh, through those loads in the game so i'm really happy with uh going gen 4 like i say straight through the uh the cpu link and uh then lastly um my next two the last two purchases were sort of smaller purchases but um, they both dealt with keeping the 12900KS cool and secure. Um, I've used that quantum velocity block previously in the Lan Lee review and the custom loop I did in it. 
Um, and I was very impressed with that block, not only with how it looks, because it just looks fantastic. Um, it, it looks like a full mono block, but it's just the CPU block. Um, but it cools very well. There's a lot of heat mass in it. Um, but also the, um, the mounting system for it is just fantastic. It's a little difficult to work with, but it is absolutely great for just making sure you've got even pressure um, all the way across the, the IHS. Um, the other thing that I did was sort of to combat the, the problems that we've been hearing about, about first off the, uh, the, uh, Intel, uh, clamping system, having some uneven pressure on the, uh, 12th gen processors, uh, causing coolers to sit uneven. Um, and also some people reporting, uh, the PCBs actually bending um, because all that pressure is being exerted sort of right in the center on the, the two outer tabs. Um, and uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it, um, oh, lab. What's the guy's name that does the lab? Uh, Igor. Igor, thank you. Igor's lab uh, and Der Bauer and a few others have reported about the bending PCs and the uneven pressure. And Der Bauer, who is part owner of Thermal Grizzly, came up with this mounting plate that goes around the CPU, replaces your stock clamping mechanism, um, and ensures that it sits under even pressure all the way around, but also you get a flat mounting surface for um, your heatsink. Um, and my th I was not able to get the Derbauer Thermal Grizzly model at the time I purchased this. It was not available in the U.S. yet. Um, so I purchased the Thermal Right version, um, which they've got a very good reputation, and I'm very happy with the quality of the piece. Um, they are a little finicky to mount. You really need to... Actually, I recommend watching Der Bauer's video and um, Gamer's Nexus video about how to install these correctly before and, and actually trying it a couple of times um, before you actually finalize putting the, the thermal paste and the cooler on it. Um, I actually did a, a couple of tests, um, one with just the stock mounting plate and one with uh, that mounting plate. And I could tell that I was actually getting a much more even uh, paste distribution with using that mount. Um, but you can't over tighten it. If you over tighten it, you risk, you know, either missing channels of RAM or not posting or even possibly damaging the motherboard if you decide to go crazy and crank down on it too hard. Um, so it's not something I really recommend for most people. Um, but if you're comfortable with, with that, then yeah, I think it's worthwhile. Um, especially just for a little peace of mind so that I'm not worrying about, you know, if, if the stock clamp is starting to bend my PCB. Um, so those were the, the two additional pieces and, um, I'm very happy with everything I've done with this system. Um, and 
I'll be presenting some performance numbers, both stock um, with just an AIO and then overclocked in my custom loop. Um, and I presented a picture of the final build uh, at the end. Um, and I'll also be going through uh, a couple of the steps I did just to sort of debloat and optimize Windows 11 um, because, <laughs> because it, it's it's terrible. Um, By the way, what case is this? Uh, Fantex and Thu. It's the uh, 719. It, it was originally called the Lux 2. Oh, the Lux, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think I looked at one um, of these a few years ago. That was the one we reviewed. I did the review on it, and it has been my case since then. Um, I had looked at maybe going with the uh, Lee and Lee 011 Mini, uh, one like I just built in, because I really liked that case. Um but I just didn't feel like it had quite enough cooling capacity to handle a 3090 and a 12900KS. So I stuck with the, uh, the Enthu 719, um, and it's been a great case. Well, thank you for that. And next thank week... Thank you. Next week, even more, the system will be all together. In fact, I'm looking at the uh, video feed here. It looks like you have that system behind you right now, don't you? Yes, the one to yep. his right, his left, your right, if you're watching the video. See that blue system back there with the hardline tubing? Show off. You're going to have such buyer's remorse when next month rolls around. Possibly. Oh, definitely. On which, on, on which part specifically, Every Josh? part. He's going to want a new PSU, <laughs> yeah. new GPU, new CPU, mm. new motherboard. Oh, Maybe it'll all be, be so RAM. last gen. So last oh, gen. The RAM will oh. be okay, and the storage is fine. Yeah. Yeah, the power supply won't be. No. <laughs> I, I had a little snarky note in his review. How big is this PSU? How big is your PSU, Kent? How big? It's a 1,000-watt EVGA G+. <laughs> mm. Sorry, that's not good enough. A pittance. Yeah. A pittance. Mm. But, yeah. you know, I was actually gaming in this office two nights ago and just it, it got so ridiculously hot in here um <laughs> now i had forgotten that i had I'm been sure you were testing, just gaming Kent. i i had been testing <laughs> overclock stability on the 3090 so i had it running at the on the 500 watt bios at the time um and running a 135 plus on the uh, the uh, GPU and um, 1250 plus on the VRAM, and this office got so goddamn hot. And then afterward, I'm like, okay, I really don't want a 600 watt GPU. <laughs> Not if I'm going to be gaming yeah. for an hour or two hours at a time. People will learn. People will learn about yeah. they can't ignore they can't ignore the wattage usage of their components. I'm sorry, have you seen the weather lately? <laughs> People will learn. Yeah. People will learn. Well, okay. It's gonna be game free summers for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, 
Let's move to picks of the week. It's Thank everybody's you. favorite segment because it's the last one. Josh? That's hot in here. <laughs> starting to glisten. All right. Nobody so. wants to see Josh glisten. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, so anyway, uh, Crucial released the uh, P3 Plus uh, PCI 4.0 uh, units. Uh, SSDs, uh, NVMe SSDs, that is, and uh, four terabytes for $329. How does that sound? And it's pretty fast, too. I mean, it's like, uh, what, five gigabytes per second uh, reads and uh, 4.3 gigabyte per second writes. I mean, it's not slow. It's like a first generation uh, PCI 4.0, but oh, it's, it's $324. Yeah. Four terabytes for that of Gen 4. That's pretty damn good. Well, yeah, so it'll be showing up in two more days. Uh, it's uh, high demand. One. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, they're out of them, apparently. Uh, yes. Back order here. Uh, yeah. ETA 8.12. So by the time you see or hear this finished version of the podcast, you may be able to sneak on over to Newegg and grab yourself... The only four terabyte SSD that follows Ryan's law. Yeah. Yeah. Less than 10 cents a gig. Because 10 cents a gig would be $400. Mm -hmm. We're well past that. Isn't it a beautiful thing? Now, is this 10 cents a gigabyte? Because if you compare gigabyte to gigabyte and then formatted capacity versus... I'm going to get a... I'm gonna go and slap you. I'm okay. gonna get an airline. Right. I mean, what I'm think, what I'm saying is that this price is low enough. I think it's truly ten cents a gigabyte, and not just ten cents a gigabyte of unformatted capacity. <laughs> That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, who's next, Jeremy? What is your pick this week? It's finally arrived. MSI is the first one to actually announce a fully PCIe five. ATX 3.0 compliant PCU, the Meg AI 1300P, which is capable of delivering up to 600 watts of power over its 12 plus 4 pin PCIe 5.0 connector. It was coming. You know it was coming. You had to buy the adapters before. You finally can get the PSU that can do it for you. Without oh, needing an adapter. Overflow with power, it says. Oh, you, you are picture. overflowing with power. Like <laughs> 1,300 watt total, 600 watt on just a PCIe lane. How much? Uh, well, I mean, it's been announced. Uh, it should be uh, out very soon. They didn't announce pricing uh, is what you're saying. It's going to cost, if you have to ask... Well, you couldn't afford. I just, I just want to know how much people are going to have to tack on to that new GPU if they want the compliant. I'm guessing at least for the first couple of months. Yeah, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. Will Newegg bundle it? The only one that's been announced. No one else has actually announced (laughs) one yet. So. The Cooler Master has announced two. Um. SFX. That have the the sixteen pin, um, really? but the, uh, the, the it, yeah, and they're like eleven hundred and thirteen hundred watt SFX power supplies. Do they call them thirteen hundred watts? 
Yes. Wow. It's crazy. Um, very Not dense. even SFXL? Uh, this has to be L's. L, right? I would think. Got to so. be I, L. And this I was, I, I remember seeing this like, okay. I found this when I was looking what for power supply options on that Leon Lee okay. build. Look at look at the graphic here when I go to there. Oh, eight bit. That's, a, that's original Duke Nukem. <laughs> okay, so this is a render. Apparently, I don't know if this is a real thing. <laughs> wait, it's sex form factor. It, it says it is. Oh, no, it wait a minute. It's V. Wait, 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 wait. Hold What's on. what is a V SFX? That's the V series. It's oh very very SFX. Okay. But no, look at the look at the connectors. That is an SFX. Yeah. That's not long. Okay. And there's the no, CIE no. Gen 5 down on the bottom right. Mhm. Yep. Is, is a this, fire hazard. Is this ATX3? <laughs> the cooler master well? SFX fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now they announced those <sighs> like like There's, two months ago. Like I said, I saw mention of them when I was looking for power supply options on the the Lee and Lee uh, Dynamic Mini, um, but they uh, uh, they were not giving prices or availability at that point. But um, yeah, so those were the first of the Gen fives I saw. But yeah, it's crazy. That kind of power density is ridiculous. I thought a thousand watts was going to be the the limit for SFX, but I was, what do I know? We we used to make fun of thousand watt. No, yeah, that's the the minimum requirement for a gaming PC. Eight hmm. fifties are passe. Uh, Brett, what is your pick? Well, clearly, I was out shopping for a Christmas gift for you, Sebastian, when I ran across this excruciatingly sweet deal on a um, capture card from EVGA, the XR1 Lite. Mm. Apparently, Amazon is pushing this out at roughly half off. Not a bad capture card. I know you have one very similar to this. Yeah, the non-Lite um, is the one that they sent The non-Lite. Right, the non-light one isn't yeah, but this is a very serviceable one, and the only difference really is this doesn't have the external control and the LED lighting and stuff on it. It's very similar in in performance specs. I I, I believe it is, anyways. Yeah, it, it looks very capable at 1080p 60, and you can pass through 4K on it at 60 as well. Very low latency for 50 bucks. This is a really sweet deal, in my opinion, for a capture card. No, You've had good luck with the, with yours. I don't think you're going to do better than $50. Now, Kent, is this the one that you destroyed on stream? or No, no. I still have that one. Oh, okay. I thought it was in I did have pieces. trouble with it, but we've oh, sort okay. of narrowed those problems down to not the capture card. Yeah. Just like I was talking about last week with the whole like USB hub sharing and power management stuff in Windows and all this other nonsense. You have to tweak and Yeah, configure. I do plan on going back to using my... Uh, a6000 and that capture card for these streams eventually, but I want to make sure I've got a system that's set up for it and iron out all the issues prior to being live. Okay. Yeah. That's it's against tradition, but all right. Yeah. It's less exciting that way. All right. 
uh, people would get the false impression that we were more professional then. So maybe don't do that. All right. <sighs> That's not happening. <laughs> Kent, your pick this week. Um, I actually had a different pick uh, selected, and then I opened my email and saw that EK Waterblocks is having a sale right now on a lot of stuff. And they've got some really unbelievable prices on some of these things. Um, they have uh, the, the EK Vardar fans at really amazing markdowns. Um, all, all the versions of them. The, uh, the non-addressable RGV version of the Vardar Evo, uh, they have it's like $5.40 a piece. Oh, nice. That's eighty percent off. Yeah, it, it, it whoa. It, it, yeah, um, it's crazy. Uh, they've got some water blocks for thirty series and for various CPUs as well um, at great prices. Um, I actually had a card that um, I've wanted to water cool to put a block on just for doing loops in some of my reviews. Um, and I picked up a block for basically around half price today. Um, so for that, for that GPU. So yeah, I just saw the pricing on a lot of those things and thought, man, somebody right now needs fans or needs a new water block for their CPU or something on here. That's ridiculously low priced. Uh, those, uh, RGB Vardars at $5.40. My God, buy 20 of them and just be good for a while. They're not addressable, but so what? Um, they actually have the white version that is addressable for $8.40. So, huh. yeah. And then look at this. Well, this one sold out the Velocity DRGB AMD block, $34.80. But you can still get the... Uh, black color of it for the 30, acetal 30, yeah 30 it's, it's not the stock. full nickel but the acetal for 33 oh, I bucks i mean 33 dollars if you're just kind of for a really good quality block that's regular 110.99 yeah oh those are huge sales this is ridiculous yes. well, it's almost like there's a new generation of products coming out hmm huh. But shouldn't the AM4 blocks fit the AM5? I That's what wonder AMD about that because the us. new CPU, does it retain the same Z height as the old one? I don't remember what Devour said. It's it's more, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Can it handle the thermal load? Or do they need to be a little bit beefier? Hmm. Well, I mean, technically that is... Uh, the the only difference between the uh, on most of the the EK like the quantum blocks like those, the only difference between the Intel and the AM uh, the AMD models is the the bracket that actually mounts it down. It's the same block in internals. Hmm. So yeah, I mean if it can handle, okay, you know, two thirty two hundred yeah. plus watts from a ninety nine hundred K or you know. 200, 300 from my 12900KS. Hmm. So. That's a good question. Now, granted, I'm using that 
monster block the uh, the quantum velocity two that I showed earlier yeah. on the KS, but still I see people using the smaller blocks on the uh, Ks, the twelve nine hundred Ks with no problems. So. Real quick, my pick this week something I recently picked up from Amazon. It's a camp bed. This is kind of a weird pick, but I had a need for one of these things. Was it comfortable? It actually is not bad. And here's the thing. Really? A lot of these you have to build. You have to kind of assemble like a tent. I was looking at some lightweight ones where they have little poles and things you have to snake through. This thing looks like a regular camp chair. Pull it out of the sleeve. You unfold it into a bed instead of a chair. And it, it's stable. It supposedly holds up to 450 pounds. And reasonably comfortable. The top has an incline. So if you you know kind of have a sort of a pillow... And uh, seems to be pretty darn strong. It was about $62 when I bought it. It's currently $68.99. How much does it weigh? It's not very heavy. I don't know what the actual weight is. 15 pounds. Okay. Is that what it said in the graphic I just closed? It said the graphic was like 14 pounds. So it's 15 pounds in answer to the question. It has these pockets on the sides, on both sides, actually, to put your phone and crap into. So there you go. Well, on that note, let's uh, say goodbye. Uh, thank you for watching, listening, consuming the podcasts that we've uh, painstakingly crafted for you. Just for you. Whoever you are, it was with you in mind that we picked the, the subject matter of tonight's show. We want to thank you for inspiring us. You are our muse, whoever you might be. And we'll see you next week. So visit us at Zombocom. <laughs> visit us at one of the many porn venues that has been spamming our live show. <laughs>